Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here with the Cups and Cakes Network. And uh, today I'm excited to share an interview that I did with Cadence Weapon, who's a Edmonton born and raised, uh, currently Toronto-based rapper and hip-hop artist. He's got a brand new record out, which is called Parallel World. That came out April 30th, 2021. We talk a lot about that record in the second half of things, but uh, before we get there, we cruise through the rapid fire, chatting about uh, pounding back cups of coffee to work the early shift at HMV in West Ed Mall, talk about uh, drawing inspiration from video game music, and uh, a little later on we talk about how, how he gets in that kind of zen state of mind where you can let your creative brain kind of solve puzzles in the background while you're you know, busy uh, running in his case, or chopping vegetables, or, or having a shower, or what have you. As per usual, there is some foul language in this episode, so if that's not your type of thing, now's your chance to turn this one off. And of course, you can find other episodes of this podcast, as well as other audio, video, and written content over on the Cups and Cakes Network website. That's cupsandcakes.com. That's cups, the letter N cakespod.com. Here's Caden's weapon. Yeah, for sure. What's good? Uh, I'm Caden's weapon um, from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I live in Toronto. I'm a vibe master, word slinger of many hats. Perfect. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, shit. I'm really excited to have you on the show. And uh, just to run through the format, we're going to do a rapid fire right off the bat. Jump into a more standard kind of interview thing. Talk about uh, the new record, Parallel World. And uh, and then we'll finish things off playing a track from that, uh, from that record. So uh, without any further ado, if you're all set, let's uh, hop into it. Let's do it. Perfect. So uh, right off the bat, cake versus pie. Which do you prefer? Pie, for sure. Um, only recently did I get into cake. Okay. Is that like a... <laughs> did, did you get into cake in the pandemic? Was that like a pandemic activity? Yeah, yeah. I started making cakes. Oh, yeah, nice. I started, I started baking for the first time, really. And, and you know, I live with my my girlfriend and she she we were baking up everything you could think. And um, I've always preferred pie. Yeah. But I, I can appreciate why cake is so popular. Well, too, I feel like pie is like it's hard to sit down and make a pie from scratch where the crust doesn't kind of suck. <laughs> um, I think I figured it out, man. Like I, I made pie as well. I like a good tart. Oh, yeah. I like the tart family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there like, do you have like a favorite, like kind of, I imagine you mean like kind of like small tarts, but do you have like a favorite oh, yeah. treat that you pick up like that? Um, my favorite thing like that, I, I like the the kind of lemon tart, you know, sometimes it has like the meringue on it. Oh yeah. You know, it's very, it's very French. Like it's like when I lived <laughs> in Montreal, you could get those on the corner anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Feel it's, yeah. I like that kind of thing. Uh, do you prefer tea or coffee? Definitely tea. I don't drink coffee at all. Okay, what was there a point where you did and then you stopped or <laughs> Yes, um I used to uh when I was younger I worked at HMV in uh, West Edmonton Mall. Yeah. And uh it was one of my first experiences of having to get up early and go work somewhere and so I was like, okay, I have to get up early. I got to drink coffee, right? 
And so I would get the gnarliest coffees. I'd get like a caramel macchiato with like extra sugar and whatever. And I was, it would make me feel really bad. And then I was just like, man, why do I feel bad all the time? And I realized it was the extreme caffeine and the coffee and all the sugar. And so I stopped it and I started feeling better. Yeah, so yeah. I haven't, ha- I haven't really drank coffee since. Yeah, I used to, uh, I used to do the energy drink thing in high school because I just, I have never really liked the taste of coffee. But yeah, at a certain point, you just realize, like, man, this makes me feel like trash. What am I doing? <laughs> but but it's one of those things when people uh, who are addicted to coffee, they're like so deep, and they can't, they can't, they don't feel bad at all. It's just they feel bad when they don't have it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the first car you ever owned? I, I never drove a car. I don't have a driver's license. I just don't do cars. Okay, nice. I'm always a little bit surprised when particularly just you're from Edmonton and Edmonton, boy, is a horrible city to get around on transit. Or <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I, I was big on walking. I walked very large distances. But I feel like that's a good way to get to know a city is to actually walk or use the transit system there. So I just never drove when I lived in Edmonton. And then I moved to Montreal, which you don't need a car to live there at all. For sure. And, and Toronto is, is similar. It, it's, it's nice to, you know, I'm glad, shout out to my girlfriend because she has a car. And um, because otherwise we couldn't leave town. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm just never, I, that's my, my next pandemic activity though, is uh, get my license. Oh, nice. Are, are you like kind of downtown-y Toronto or are you like a little further off in any direction? I live um, in a little bit north of downtown, kind of on Eglinton. Okay. In that area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's uh, not in the center. I'm happily not in the center of <laughs> downtown Toronto these days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the weirdest job you've ever had? Oh, man, I've had lots of weird jobs. Um, the, the weirdest one I can think of was back in Edmonton, I worked at a call center and we were exclusively calling steam fitters and pipe fitters and oil workers about the safety conditions on the sites. Oh, weird. And and also if they think uh, apprentice training was uh, good enough. And, you know, I was listening to guys just crying, you know, and feeling like I nearly died. Like they dropped a drill bit and almost hit me. Like just all these horror stories. It was like the most stressful job ever. Yeah, no kid. How did you even get into something like that? Hey, man, it's just, you know, looking for random jobs back in the day. And it was just kind of like, I don't know, it was a call center job. And I gave it a try. I didn't last very long. I worked there for like only a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A good choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, thank God for music. You know, because um, it's one of the things that I like to do all the time. Yeah, it's I I don't I don't like um, conventional jobs. I guess that makes sense, especially ones like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you prefer sports or video games? Oh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people would think I would say video games, based on what my old music sound like. But um, <laughs> it's definitely sports these days. I'm I'm a big sports fan. I'm a huge basketball fan. Huge Raptors fan, yeah. I, I love sports. Yeah, yeah. Do you play basketball too, or? I do. I'm a hooper. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm nice with it too. I'll, I'll play anybody listening to this podcast. I'm nasty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too with the video game thing. Um, I know. Uh, I I went through the the composition program at McEwen, and I had gotten the mm-hmm. comment 
a bunch of times that like, oh man, this sounds like fucking Mario or something like that. And right. and that's never something I thought of. But do you, do you think that you do take some influence from like music in video games? Is that actually a thing? I- Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, when I was younger playing like NES, I was hugely influenced by some of the music, like Mega Man series, all the all the music in those games, Double Dragon, like that kind of stuff, uh, where it was like really 8-bit kind of like, you know, uh, super compressed, like digital sounding stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And and that, I was always thinking is like, at the same time, I was listening to all this rap and growing up and with my dad being like a rap DJ and being like, why don't people rap over this kind of music? Right. And, and essentially that's what I ended up making. Right. Oh, damn. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I've ever actually talked to anybody about video game music in depth before, but there's so much of that stuff. That's like so incredible. That's the thing is like, I'm just so out of touch with video games these days. Like I have no, I don't know what's going on. Like I don't have any, I, I don't have any systems because I know I just can't handle having games. I get too into it. I'm, you know, you wouldn't hear a record from me for years. <laughs> you know, like I can't, I, 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 cold turkey. I had to stop playing games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite pit stop on tour? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think one of the, the things that I always get really excited about if I'm touring Canada is stopping actually in Thunder Bay. Okay. Um, because there is a really great place called uh, Hoito, which is this Finnish pancake restaurant. And it's amazing. The food there is so dope and uh, is pretty much the only good thing about um, driving across Canada <laughs> for extended periods of time. As you know, we're going to stop in Thunder Bay and we're going to get those pancakes. Yeah, Thunder Bay too. Um, like I lived in Toronto for six or seven months and moving out there from Edmonton Thunder Bay is like kind of the last place you stop before there's just a big nothing for like a long long time mm-hmm oh absolutely shout out to Thunder Bay yeah go Thunder Bay <laughs> if you could put together a uh, fantasy show lineup of uh, kind of any handful of bands that you'd want to see play together give yourself a ticket to it uh what kind of bands would you have Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, can they be alive or dead? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because like the first person that came to mind for whatever reason is Fela Kuti. You know, like I would, he would probably be headlining, and I'd like to see, you know, whatever insane group with Tony Allen and all the great musicians. You know, because I really, I really like uh, kind of um, big people who are big band leaders. I always felt like I was a little bit like that, like him, like James Brown, like people like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, it was going to be a really eclectic bill. So I'll say Fela Cootie, um Let's say I want to get The Clash. This is, this is, yeah. um, it's a bill, it's a bill that could have happened in the 80s. Let's put it like that. <laughs> so The Clash, because, you know, I, you know, that would have been super fire. Um and I'll say um, Grace Jones. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's a hell of a bill. <laughs> yeah, that would be super, super gnarly show. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite local bite to eat? Okay, yeah. Um, my favorite local bite to eat in Toronto. Um, I'm going to go with a place that is not far from where I live, and it is called Raps. It's, um, it's on Eglinton 
in Little Jamaica, and it's an area of town that I'm really passionate about. And they have a bunch of amazing restaurants, and Wraps is, in my opinion, the best jerk chicken you can get in the city. Yeah. And I love that it's just open super late, and you know they're they'll, they're cooking in like a big, uh, a giant um, oil drum kind of thing outside, and it's and it's they're open you know into the early morning, and it's just like a vibe out there and and the food is amazing yeah yeah you, know, you get the rice rice and peas and it's like the kind of thing that i always had trouble finding in edmondson when i was growing up you know there's like one jamaican restaurant and then it i don't think it was it, it didn't stay open for that long and yeah i always wish you could easily find that food yeah yeah uh do you prefer candy chips or chocolate you see i love all manner of treats <laughs> But um, I think my preference these days is chips, because I feel like they're the closest to food. Like they, <laughs> I think they have the most um, real nutrition in them. Um, I'm liking, you know, those those chips. Um, what is the brand of chips? They're they're kind of like fake healthy. Like they'll be uh, they'll be in like the kind of like organic aisle. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, they have like the honey honey flavored chips or whatever oh, yeah, like, the, I, can't figure, I can't i think they're just called like fi- kettle chips yeah it's those kettle chips yeah. yeah 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 like i love those these days we 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 eat those a lot in my household and um i feel kind of okay about it because it's you know it's, it's potatoes yeah i guess <laughs> yeah i'll admit i got uh i got home yesterday kind of late uh i had gone to see my family over easter here and uh, yeah, I woke up this morning, didn't really have any food in the house, so I sure did eat some ruffle chips and some dip. Ooh, you know what? I might, I might have some chips right after this interview. <laughs> well, sounds like a good plan. Yeah, I can tell you, yeah. it, uh, it, you know, uh, it felt like a bad idea, but they tasted pretty good. So, yo, that's Canadian stuff too. You know, chips. Can you think of a more Canadian food? Like Canadians love chips on a different level that you know no no other country does. I don't think people really even know that about Canadians either. Well, no, yeah, it's funny because when you go to the states, um, you know, they have like all of this like chocolate and candy and soda and stuff that we don't have here, and then all of the chips are kind of lame. They all kind of suck. Where are the chips? <laughs> right? Where are the chips? I'm I'm looking for the chips. They don't have them, and they don't really appreciate chips. Okay, I could go into this. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I hear Biden's doing something about that. So, uh. <laughs> thank goodness. Uh, if you could open for anyone, who would you choose to open for? We'll say, uh, you know, living or dead for this, too. Okay, cool. If I could open for anyone, well, um, I feel like I've, I was just realizing this because, you know, I've been writing a, a book lately. And uh, I've been just reminiscing about old shows and things like that. And I realized I've kind of open for every kind of alternative rapper rap group you could think of like de la soul like pretty much anyone that i was influenced by when i was younger i have i have played with them yeah you know and one of one of the best ones for me was public enemy i opened for them in um dublin ireland in 2008 yeah yeah and that was just like you know it was a dream come true you know because this is this is somebody that i see is like that's who I want to really be like yeah more more than anybody and he was super nice to me too which was really cool like you know signed an autograph took some photos like he, yeah. was, he was super nice yeah so I would say again public enemy I, I, w- I would like to open for them again <laughs> do you did you get to a place uh or I guess um like playing those types of gigs 
do you find yourself going into a mode of like trying to you know pick apart exactly what they're doing before live shows and trying to like take cues as best you can absolutely no i i studied what they were doing before and it blew my mind because it was so different from my process at the time you know like uh when i opened for them i was uh 22 years old and it was like you know before a show usually it just was me drinking a bunch of beer and kind of just messing around like not really doing any kind of exercises or breathing exercises or anything yeah and i was watching chuck d and he was doing sprints up and down stairs he was doing like lunges like he was really stretching like on on a really big level like i was like whoa this is crazy like i i I didn't know you could do this but then i watched his show and he plays for almost like two hours long like like you know he needs to do it it's like a full workout it's like athletic that's it really made me think differently about performing i was just like okay i think there's ways i can make this easier for me yeah you know is there is there stuff like that that's stuck that has become kind of like a permanent part of your like routine playing shows well yeah i started thinking of performing as a very athletic thing and so i started making sure that i eat a certain amount of time a certain amount of time before i play and really um allowing my body to like process the food and so i can use the energy for the show and really thinking of myself as an athlete in that way, you know, because yeah. I didn't used to it. Sometimes I'd eat too close to when I'm playing and then I'd like have like a cramp or something while I'm playing, like just kind of not really um, utilizing my body in the right way. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, got off on a little bit of a tangent there. But... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, somet- and, and, and sometimes you can you can just get chips. If it's a, if it's an emergency, you can yeah. eat some chips. Chips are just fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is there an album that spurred your love of music? Mm. That's a great question. Um, I, I just listened to so much music when I was a kid because my dad was a DJ. So I was just hearing so many records. But if I had to pick one, I would say maybe Illmatic by Nas. Yeah. I feel like that was really influential to me just because... He was so young when he put it out, you know, and it really inspired me. And it was just like, you know, I could do it, too. You know, he put that record out when he was a teenager. And I was just like, well, I'm a teenager. Maybe I could put out a record. Yeah, yeah. And it and it worked. It was like people, I, I really was able to make something that really resonated with people. And I probably would have never even tried if it weren't for Nas. Oh, cool. And also, you know, if I think about it, too, one of the very first beats that i ever rapped to was the instrumental for halftime by nas oh cool so it there that's a big influence for me yeah yeah uh very last question then on the rapid fire are there any kind of uh up-and-comers or like local bands or artists that you would want to give a shout out to you really uh like what they're doing right now yeah i definitely want to give a shout out to uh cartel madras um i really like them a lot and it really makes me um excited to have some cool weird artists coming from alberta yeah yeah you know like it it makes me feel like okay i i hopefully paved the way for some artists to just like be doing something different so i want to give them a shout out for sure and i also really like this um this rapper um from toronto uh called sedaney okay yeah Um, i I feel like she's really dope and she uh, just came out with a single called that soft and i think it's one of the freshest things i've heard in canada Oh, nice. Yeah, I will uh, have to check that out. I know we've been trying to get uh, Cartel Madras on the show for a little while now. 
but uh, fingers crossed we'll make that happen for sure uh well let's uh kind of pivot into the second half of things here then uh I guess right off the bat, what's how's how's kind of pandemic life been treating you? Yeah, it's been interesting. I feel like I've gotten a lot done. You know, um, I I kind of had to reconfigure my life, just like pretty much everybody. Yeah. But you know, for me, it was just really weird because you know I, you know, my life is pretty much just traveling and performing live for large audiences of people, and all of that was taken away. Right. Um. So. You know, uh, right before the pandemic happened, um, I was at, um, I was in Montreal. I was acting in a play that was written by uh, Sean Nicholas Savage um, called Please Thrill Me. So I was in that for a month. Yeah. And then I was in the Banff Center. Um, I was a guest mentor for the singer-songwriter component there in the beginning of March. And then the pandemic just was happening while I was there. And it was just like, flying back to Toronto and it was just pandemonium and just trying to get, you know, I, I decided I wasn't going to do anything at first. I was like, I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to make any music. I'm just going to kind of sit in this yeah. and, and absorb what's happening. And I think in that absence of activity, I ended up getting ideas and kind of seeing the connections between things and kind of, you know, especially with like the George Floyd protests in the summer and yeah just kind of seeing how our institutions have failed us in so many ways and i just had so much material and so much stuff to write about and so much i wanted to rap about that um i ended up having a very productive pandemic yeah yeah i was i was gonna ask if most of this record ended up being written kind of post lockdown for sure yeah yeah um everything except for Cinna. Cinema was written before the pandemic, and I was able to record that in person with Shot Green. Gotcha. But other than that, everything else on the record was done remotely and um, was done after the pandemic. So, yeah, it was definitely challenging. And it was, it was really weird because, like, I, it, you know, when the lockdown would be lifted, you know, I'd have this window where I could get into the studio and it was kind of safe. And it, it felt like a, it was a race against time. Yeah. You know, so I, I was, I was, you know, I, ha- I don't think I've had this level of sustained focus on music uh, and on recording and writing music since my first record, since I was a teenager in my mom's attic. You know, like that's what it feels like. Is be- it feels like being a kid again. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that like a function you think of? I, I guess it makes sense to me either that it's uh, like it's a really kind of. Uh, tumultuous time and there's lots of stuff to write about um there's also this element of uh all of a sudden you're not touring and there's all this kind of space to fill um i guess yeah it does it make sense that it's a combination of those two things kind of working together uh yeah yeah definitely it's like you know i i feel like you know, I guess an unintended consequence of the pandemic is that I had all this extra time. Because, um, you know, typically it's like anytime I would get into a group working on a record, it would be like, okay, you got to go play this show in some random place. And then there's the travel around the show. And then, you know, there's, you know, then you're doing press around all this stuff. So it's like it wasn't really possible um, to turn around a record as quickly as I just did. For sure. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. Have have you been able in the past to like spend time writing while you're on tour or do you generally like separate those two things pretty hard line? 
Oh, I mean, I try to when I'm inspired. I just will write stuff, and I'll have little little um, fragments of ideas. Usually, like I write a lot in my phone these days. Yeah, yeah. But um, but typically, um, you don't have time or energy when you're on tour because it's just kind of like everything is going into the shows and into traveling and making sure you get enough rest. And I usually I manage myself, and I'm you know often the the tour manager for myself. Sometimes I DJ for myself if if I'm going to like Europe or something, right? So it's like I'm yeah. kind of doing everything. So it doesn't really leave a lot of time to be creative. However, touring is my inspiration station. For sure, yeah. And that's where I get so much of my vibes, so many of my ideas, so many influences I come across are things that I found when I was on tour. So that is something that I'm really missing so much right now. It's like I really particularly want to get back to Europe as soon as I can. Yeah. Do you, do you workshop new material in shows then? Or, or once you are kind of gigging with something, is it like pretty much done? Um, sometimes I will workshop the songs. I mean, typically no, though. Typically um, when a, I feel like a song is kind of done, that's when I'll play it. Gotcha. Um, but, it, you know, it is true. There have been some examples where I tested out some songs and I was just like, oh, this one was resonating with people more than I thought it would. Or there's like ways that I can, you know, make sure the energy level is maintained throughout the song and like I can change little things. So, yeah, yeah. No, I think that is a that is a different process, too. Yeah. Yeah. To like um, just you mentioned kind of wearing many hats in terms of like managing and sometimes DJing for yourself and, of course, like writing all the music and stuff, too. Um What's the benefit of kind of taking so much of that stuff on, even if it's at the expense of like, you know, time and uh, stress? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the the number one benefit for me is that um, I can make sure everything gets done. Right. You know, that's the thing is like, you know, I in the past have delegated certain things to other people and then they don't get done or they get done incorrectly or there's like a huge monster mistake. And it's like I got kind of tired of that, especially with people that I was like paying, you know? So um, I, I think it's not for everyone and I don't think everyone is capable of doing it, but I feel like at the level of how busy things are right now for me, I'm able to maintain the administrative side and the music side at the same time. Yeah. Though, though I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. I guess too, even outside of just um, kind of music career stuff, uh, you're a man of many hats. Uh, there's like a lot of different uh, pies that you got your fingers in. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find that doing that work kind of outs, not necessarily outside of music, but um, either outside or kind of tangentially re- related to like writing and recording, uh, does that stuff come back and kind of work its way into the type of music that you write or inform the way that you approach like your actual music career? Yeah, I think it's all interconnected. You know, like I feel like everything I do um, feeds into it, each other. You know, like for sure. maybe, for instance, like I've been writing a book at the same time as making the album. And I feel like reminiscing about the process of recording other albums actually affected how I ended up writing the new album. You know, like it's little things like that. Whereas, uh, you know, maybe even I'm finding like how I'm engaging with social media now and how I'm like, I'm thinking of different ways to be more creative with it and make it like more of a fun thing for people. Um, whether it's like, I don't know, just coming up with a rap about current events and just yeah. recording it in the moment 
um, I feel like that it all feeds into my process of making music. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I saw the uh, the one you posted, I think, on Twitter yesterday, The just talking about the lockdown in Ontario. Yeah, yeah, it's getting a crazy response. Like, I'm going on CBC um, Metro Morning in Toronto tomorrow morning to talk about it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. it's it, I feel like it's cool. It's cool to, like, just, like, have an idea and then just, like, wrap it, and then it's just direct uh, to the audience and direct to people, and it can... You know, I, I have this, I like lately, just over the past year and over the pandemic, I, I feel like there's like a lot of um, responsibility on artists, you know, like yeah, I yeah. feel like my, my personal responsibility is to, um, you know, speak to the times that I'm in and also to hold those in power accountable. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and to like, you know, you know, I want to be like public enemy. I want to be like the class, you know, those are, those are my big inspirations. And it's like, I'm thinking of just new creative ways to do that. Yeah. And so it's cool. It's cool that, you know, to see people really get into it and have that instant response and to see that thousands of people watch it. Like, it's like, okay, this is, this feels, I I like feeling useful. Yeah. And that, that, that feels like I'm making useful art. So uh, I wanted to definitely have a conversation about like politics in music. Um, So writing a record like this, that, obviously it was put together during this pandemic and there's like so much different stuff going on. Um, when you start work on a song, is it just a matter of um, like you kind of improvise over a beat and then you kind of figure out what you want to be talking about? Or do you have kind of this like laundry list of like, I got to write about all these things cause you've made notes or whatever, or uh you've kind of mentally noted that you want to talk about specific things. Well, it's like a mix of the two, you know, like it's like, you know, sometimes I'll have, you know, uh, themes and ideas that I'll write down and just maybe, maybe it's like one line here or there. It's just like, maybe sometimes I'll just rap over just like another existing song and just see what comes out of it. And it's out of just out of experimenting. But um, with this record, it was like the music kind of told me what to talk about. Right. You know, like it, I feel like the beat speaks to me and it really tells me. And it's like I listen to it over and over until it becomes this like trance like state for me. And yeah. And then and then it's like the words start coming out and it's just like I find when I start making myself laugh, I'm uh, I'm on to something. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 usually what it's like. I'll be I'll be it's essentially like freestyling. Sometimes I'll record myself while I'm doing it just to like if I get a good line, like make sure I have have it copy down yeah but uh it's like yeah when i say something that's really funny or or is or is something that's just very true yeah when i get when i get to the core of something that's very meaningful or true or funny then i'm like okay like let's expand on this let's yeah. like see where let's like i try and extract all the meaning out of a concept once i once i have it right so it's like um for instance here's an example africville uh africville's revenge um opening track on the record so the way that song came together was i was going for a run you know because pandemic all i was i I like to jog yeah and like the all you can do is run outside half the time so i was running and i find when i run it's really good for lyrics for me it's like ideas come to me and i gotta stop and i gotta write them down and it's like the ideas for this song were were coming like fast and furious and i was just like 
I had to sit on a bench and like just write it down. I was just like, it felt like it was like pouring out, you know, and I was like trying to, it was like, like it was raining and I was trying to like catch it in my hands or something like it was like, okay, I got to get this down or I'm going to lose it. Yeah. And I feel like it was like from one line to the other, it's just like, let me, let me see how, how sustained can I keep this theme? How sustained can I keep this idea and for how long? And it becomes almost like a kind of word game for me. Yeah. Do do you tend to be like listening to stuff while you run or do you kind of uh, allow your brain to have some silence so that you can like think about that stuff? Oh, never, man. I'm always listening to music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like when I'm running, that's my ultimate time to listen to music, actually. It's, it's like one of the only times I can sustained listen to music for, you know, an hour straight or something, you know, like, yeah. Where, and that's when I listen to new music, too. And, you know, I... And sometimes if I'm if something's really hidden, um, I just start rapping over that, and then I'm just like, okay, 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 I, I got to remember what that song was, and then like maybe I need to make a beat that's that BPM or like get something that's that BPM. It's like, yeah, but that's a big part of my process on this record. Was so much of it was done while I was you know running or getting ideas while I was cooking or you know it's usually sometimes like when I'm just like combing my hair in the bathroom or something, and it's like and just like hearing like the fan in the background it's it's yeah. it's i just need to get into a certain kind of state of mind like a flow state or something or like yeah. you know where it's like i i'm not using the conscious part of my mind you know it's like it's like there's i don't know how to describe it it's it's really it's it's weird to talk about no no that that makes sense though like there's there's lots of times i've had conversations with people where they'll talk about yeah like um you know, things coming to them in the shower or being able to kind of solve like little musical problems like that and being able to do something uh, like cooking's great for that, right? Because you just have to sit and chop vegetables and you don't have to think about chopping the vegetables, but you have to mm -hmm. focus on doing it, uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. No, it's like that kind of, any kind of activity that is like occupying my physical mind yeah and it allows like my creative mind to just be working in the background and that's that's when i start getting the real money stuff <laughs> yeah 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 so so what is the process for like beat making look like then like what's what kind of goes into that well that's you know that's just like um for me it's like uh sometimes i'll have just like a jingle or something in my head and that that's how i'll start a beat right you know and that'll be like the the lead but um, typically it's just um, just trial and error. There's a lot of trial and error. Just like maybe I have a, a certain like flavor of sound that I want to hear, like just a certain like vibe that I'm trying to do. The way I did on all my first few albums was, you know, I would be like, okay, I want to make a song about um, celebrity or something, right? Right. So when I'm, you know, thinking about like uh, limited edition OJ Slammer, you know, I was like, okay, I want to make something that feels like, tmz or something or it just yeah. feels like very kind of hollywood or something and it was like i ended up just making like a really upbeat kind of track for that yeah you know so it's like i like to make music that really embodies the the theme of the song you know and sometimes i'll make the i'll write the lyrics before i make the beat that's how i did the first few albums gotcha right so it was like i would write to no music you know that's why i feel like the first record is like very like disjointed strange style of rapping that makes it kind of unique is that i didn't write a lot of it two beats for sure yeah 
nowadays then do you tend to like um i guess when you're working on a song uh do you ever finish making a beat and then kind of set it aside and then you kind of have you know uh uh, this list of kind of beats that you can go to to try different stuff out over or do you kind of make a beat figure out something that you want to put over it and kind of finish the whole piece at once if you know what i mean yeah i mean nowadays i don't really make beats that frequently because i'm just getting so many beats from people yeah yeah my, my for the last couple of records my focus has been on just trying to um focus on my writing and focus on like coming up with like more unique ways of rapping and focusing just on the craft. Yeah. So, uh, and it's also, I've just had access to just like some of the craziest producers and craziest beats Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the planet. So it's like, I'd be a fool not to be using them. Right. So, uh, in terms of this record, then like, uh, there's a ton of collaborators, just like a ton of great people that you got to work on the record. Um, what does that kind of collaboration look like in COVID times? Uh, like, is it pretty much just a matter of kind of sending stuff out to people and then seeing what you get back or? Well, it, for me, it was like a lot of communication for sure. You know? And that's a lot of, whether it's phone calls or chatting on DMS or just messaging about vibes or whatever, just different ideas or just going through like lots of different beats. Like it's different for every track, you know, but it's, you know, for instance, you know, the beats for Africville and um, Hard to Find that I got from uh, Martin Booty Spoon. Um, he, I was like, yo, um, I want to finish this album. I need some beats, like send me some stuff. And he sent me a whole whack of beats. And it was like, uh, for me, I'm very picky about the beats that I use. Yeah. I'm very particular and they have to have a certain quality or character. Um, to me, they like kind of are glowing, you know, like that's the way I describe it. This is like they pop out amongst the others and it's like i feel like i can improve on them or add something to them or i can hear how they should be in the end or like yeah yeah you know like i i can i can see for me it's like almost like i'm producing a little bit as well because it's kind of like i'm curating a specific kind of sound for all the tracks yeah well something just like sticks out about a certain beat i would imagine that makes it sound right away like oh this can be like a cadence weapon thing like, oh, it's like I know that I know the beats that are right for me. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm 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 very good at picking beats for myself, <laughs> which is it's you know it sounds funny to say that, but there's a lot of rappers who aren't good at that, and that's why they have a, there's a job called A and R out there that um, <laughs> where there's a person who just finds them beats. Right. But um, I do that typically for myself. And then too, in in terms of getting people to actually like do verses on on tracks, like how do you uh, pick collaborators that you think are going to be good for the specific track that you want them to play on? Well, it's like sometimes, you know, like I'll, I'll work on a track for a while. Like an example would be on me. Like I, I had, I thought I had finished that song, but then I was just, you know, um, there's this guy, Frieza Chin, who he mixed and mastered my last record, the self-titled album in 2018. Gotcha. And uh, he's really tight with a lot of artists from the UK grime scene, and that's the kind of music that um, that I was rapping over on that on that particular track. So I, I he was talking about this record he did with the guy Manga Saint Hilaire, um, who is kind of an old school grime legend. You know, he he he's in Roll Deep crew, like he's pretty well known out there. And I listened to his last record 
um, that came out. Um, make it out. I think it's make it out alive. Okay. It could be. My, I I want to make sure I I say the right record. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was right. Okay. You can you can. Uh, I'm smarter than I think. You can edit out all that that jibber jabber. Um, but yeah. So Manga he made this record, make it out alive, and I was just like, oh man, this guy would be great on my record because he's making all these really good connections and there's such great wordplay, and I feel like you know having like a a person who is really well known in that scene of music like I, it just felt like a really good yeah, uh, yeah. conversation yeah so uh getting towards the end of the interview here like what what does uh like what does the future look like for you at this point i guess like like is there a plan to tour this or is it still kind of too early to tell what that's going to look like Hey man, I'm just holding my breath like everybody else, just kind of waiting for things to resolve themselves and be, you know, hopefully our leadership will figure things out sooner than later. Hopefully by the time people listen to this, you know, we'll be more optimistic in Ontario. But um Yeah. I, I I'm definitely you know, I'm 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 writing a book right now as well. Yeah. Um so that's kind of gonna be my na- main focus for the next few months and then you know i'm still making a lot of music i'm still getting beats from people i'm still there's a lot of people i want to collaborate with right now and i'm i already have like a big idea you know for another album like the thing is like i'm i'm very creative person i know that sounds like a weird thing to say about yourself but no i literally am i never have a lack of ideas the problem is i have too many ideas yeah and i can't get them organized and it's like, listen, if anybody wants some spare ideas, I got them. Yeah. Like I can, I can, I'll, I can come up with a, an album for somebody else very, <laughs> very quickly. But it's, you know, it's just finding the time and space to be really organized in my own mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? Well, is, is there a, is there a track that you would uh, want to play and maybe chat a little bit about here before we wrap things up? Yeah, for sure. Um, let's play the uh, last song on the album, uh, Connect. Yeah, so what's I, I guess why this one? What's uh what makes that the one that you want to highlight? I feel like um Connect is one of my favorite songs I've ever written. It's produced by KCMQ, who is an artist that I think is really amazing. Yeah. And um yeah, I feel like I tapped into something that I felt for a long time that I feel like I a lot of people have been you know, kind of navigating, especially over the pandemic, especially in an era when we're just all digital representations of ourselves and yeah. the whole idea of um, reality versus perception um, has become something that I've, I've been thinking about a lot over the past year. So, yeah, 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 that, that's what this song is really about. And just also just about the Internet and how it affects us. And um, I, I just feel like it's, you know, I really like usually my last songs on albums and this one is uh it's no exception i i really i'm really quite proud of this song yeah i i uh i think the most recent interview we put out was with this guy matthew cardinal from edmonton mm, mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah he's the homie he was he was at um we were at Banff center together oh cool yeah he's got yeah. some killer stuff but in that interview too it was the same thing where uh he had wanted to play the last track on the record because you realize too uh just the way that people listen to music these days uh oftentimes people don't get 
all the way there. But it's really, really important, I think, when you have a record to have something that's like really, really killer at the end, right? This is this is a huge failing of streaming because I feel like I always, you know, put some of my best songs as the last songs on the album. Whereas like, I don't know, it really encourages you and incentivizes you to front load your album. Yeah. Right? So it's making people make records differently or not make records at all. But um, I'm still not going to change the way I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, kn- I know I'm doing the right thing. And people still buy my records. So yeah. you can listen to it like a, you know, like a person from the 50s or whatever. And <laughs> slap a vinyl on your, your Victrola and, and, and bump the shit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we're going to listen then to uh, Connect by uh, Cadence Weapon from the new record, Parallel World, out uh, April 30th, 2021. Yeah, absolutely. I got it. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, thanks so much for sitting down to chat. It was uh, a real pleasure. Yeah, no, this was super fun. I'm glad uh, we connected. That wasn't meant to be a pun. I'm just I'm I, I come through with the dad jokes and it's so natural that I, I can't I don't even know when I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well yeah, thanks so much again and uh here's connect. Shot in the dark, dropping the pier, falling apart every time you're near, every time you're near. Don't get close, see right through, but it ain't quite clear. Cut through the sheer, up and down on the roller coaster. Ain't no fun without the fear. Everyone's here, but I'm alone. Left my home, went to the doctor, said I had imposter syndrome. Click to at ease, calling the morn, trapped in the screen, video drone. Stared at myself in the stream, jumped in the water, killed my phone. Oh no. It is what it is, it ain't what it seems. Life is but a dream, life is but a dream It is what it is, it ain't what it seems Life is but a dream, life is but a dream Stayed up late, scrolled by someone I used to date Hanging with someone that I hate, felt like bait, clicked anyway Switching the frame, hundred tabs, breaking news Crash like waves, crash my page, too much ads Forgot to save, attachment made Read something the other day, can't remember what it say Heard a song the other day, know the numbers, not the name Treating fame just like a game, higher scores, higher pay Higher up, on the poster, bigger size of your name what it seems life is but a dream life is but a dream it is what it is it ain't what it seems life is but a dream life is but a dream we forget the source then we believe the echoes that something you regret it gets so hard to let go harder to reflect all caught up in the web it's so hard to connect
When I got nothing on my mind. Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Connect, was played with permission from Cadence Weapon. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing on My Mind, from the Grampy EP as our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's Cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.